The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I just thank you for this opportunity to to come around it together, even virtually this morning. And I just pray for Randall as he delivers this message to us. Lord, may our hearts be teachable. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, Grace City. Thanks so much for joining us online today. Um, I'm so excited about the women that are at the retreat right now. Um, I'm believing that God's doing some amazing things in their lives. And so remember, keep them in prayer. Uh, Can't wait to hear the stories as they come back. And we just think upon uh, the grace of God, you know. So uh, being a part of the men's retreat, I just saw how encouraging it was. And so believing that for the women. Uh, We love and value our women at Grace City. So uh, we are going to continue in our series, the book of Acts. And our text for today is Acts 13, verses 1 through 12. Now, uh, the message for today, as we look at this text, is living an intentional life living an intentional life. Now, do you believe that God could work through you? Through you. As we look at the scripture today, we see that uh, the Holy Spirit sends Saul to go on the first missionary journey. And I'm sure that Saul had a lot of excuses of why he should not be the one to go. But, It's God who sends him to go. And at some level, all of us are sent. Now, earlier this week, Christian professor and sociologist Ed Stetzer, along with some others, wrote an article entitled, Understanding the Diaspora Church. And here's what it said. Millions of people live and work outside their homeland due to economic, social, political, or environmental reasons. Diaspora was originally a biblical word meaning dispersed as a farmer would sow and scatter seeds. But diaspora was later applied to forcefully displaced people, especially the Jewish uh, diaspora. In the first century, the Jewish diaspora influenced the trajectory of Christianity and shaped the growth and expansion of the church. More recently, diaspora refers to displaced people in general. Now, in Southern California here, specifically in San Diego, we have a lot of diaspora, right? This is a very transient city. For me, I was born in Hawaii, but I live here in San Diego. 
And see, all of this applies to our lives. Now, as we've seen in the book of Acts, the church has spread because of the persecution they faced. And today, we're going to study the first missionary journey. Now, in each narrative that we see, we're reminded that wherever we find ourselves in life, we all play a part in God's mission to the world. Even if you have that thing in the back of your mind, like I'm sure Saul did, how could God use me? Alistair Begg said, said this, he says, the great principle of incarnational mission teaches us that the, the ministry of Jesus was one of involvement, not detachment. And therefore, we must face the fact that we cannot minister to a world if we are not in it. See, there are different reasons that we can be, as Pastor Alistair Begg said, detached. For some of us, we can be detached from the mission because we've fallen into the trap of believing that God couldn't use me. Some of us are just too comfortable and we really don't see the necessity and the urgency of the mission in sharing the gospel with others. For some of us, we've experienced deep hurts and pains that have been roadblocks and challenges for us to live out God's mission for our lives. Others of us, maybe especially living in a transient city like San Diego, think to ourselves, well, I'm not going to be here that long and we're just too futuristic about well, I, I, I'm just going to be gone anyway, so I'm not going to really make a difference now. But missionary Jim Elliott once said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt. Every situation you believe to be the will of God. Today, can you embrace that God wants you to live out his mission fully where he's placed you right now? See, that's living an intentional life. And so today our text is from Acts 13, 1 through 12. Just to give some context here, at the beginning of the chapter, we see the church intentionally sending, yes, Saul and also Barnabas. Barnabas was the one that took Saul along and encouraged him in ministry. And after overcoming great persecution and trauma, the church is now taking on this responsibility of, of this first missionary journey. See, remember, they've lost Stephen, the first deacon. They, they've lost James, the apostle and the brother of John, the, the one that was closest to Jesus. Peter was dramatically rescued in chapter 12 from prison. And, and King Herod, at the end of the chapter, was struck dead. See, this has been a roller coaster ride of emotions for the early church. And out of that place, that's where the first missionary journey comes. They send Saul, they send Barnabas and John Mark. Now let's ask, what can we learn about living missionally in today's text? Well, we learn that we can receive three responses. The first one is this, there's an openness as we live out the mission. Another one is there's an opposition and the third one, an embrace. An openness, an opposition, an embrace. The first one is an openness. Look at verses four through seven. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island so far as Paphos, 
they, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, what we see here first in verse four is that they they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Just remember, it's God who sends out the first missionaries. It's God who builds his church. It's God who's pursuing people. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to reach people with the good news of the gospel. See, Barnabas and Saul are intentionally being sent out. So the first part we saw is that the Holy Spirit worked when there was persecution. People were sent out. They weren't doing this naturally or intentionally, but they were spread out because of persecution. This part, they are, they are intentionally being sent out to go. And what we see from this text is that Barnabas and Saul were the perfect team. Uh, the reason is, is that Barnabas, we find out in Acts 4.36, that Cyprus was his hometown. And Saul and, and, and Barnabas would, would journey 90 miles, proclaiming the gospel all the way to Paphos. And so they were committed. And what we find is this, that, that when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, 90 miles, they came upon a certain magician, a false prophet, Bar-Jesus. And, and, and what do we find next? Well, Bar-Jesus was a Jewish false prophet and his name means son of the Savior. Um, he was hanging out with Sergius Paulus and, and Sergius Paulus was a, a non-Jewish seeker. It says that specifically he was a man of intelligence and so he was seeking out wisdom all the time. That's probably why he had surrounded himself with Bar-Jesus, because he believed that Bar-Jesus at some level had some spiritual insight. And Sergius Paulus was a man of power. He was a Roman governor of Cyprus, a learner, somebody who wanted to know more, somebody who wanted to grow. And what he was growing in at this point was this, that Bar-Jesus was telling him about how to follow the way. So in many ways, Bar-Jesus had his ear and was giving him wisdom and what he thought was the, the, the right religious way, to, how to follow religious rules. Saul and Barnabas came with a different message. They were coming telling about the way. See, the way, the real Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's what we need to understand. Religion says, this is the way. Follow me, follow these rules. Come, become like this. You need to go do these things. Jesus says, I am the way. Do you see the difference here? See, Christianity is built on everything Jesus has done, not what you do, completely different message than the one that Bar-Jesus was giving Sergius Paulus. And what happens next? Well, there's an opposition. Look at verses eight through 11. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them 
seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Now, as we see here, this, this name, Elemis, was uh, one of Bar-Jesus' nicknames. It explained what he was really about. He wasn't a, a, a Jewish religious man. He was somebody who has his, his fallen into the occult. He was more of a cult leader than what we would think as a magician, a David Blaine or something like that. But here's the, 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 the thing that we need to understand. He loved having power and control over others. He loved drawing a crowd and bringing attention to himself. And now that he sees that Sergius Paulus wasn't interested in what he had to offer, he's bringing direct opposition to what Paul and Barnabas are bringing as they share the gospel. Tony Marita said, Bar-Jesus proved to be a false prophet opposing the word of God that Paul and Barnabas taught. Bar-Jesus tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith, seeing the missionaries as a threat to his prestige and livelihood. Listen to this, two reasons people oppose the gospel are pride and materialism. Many people arrogantly refuse to admit they're wrong. They refuse to humbly repent and say the gospel is true and salvation is in Christ alone. And many others refuse to give up their materialistic lifestyles to follow the path of discipleship. The gospel confronts idols. And when, uh, when collisions happen, heated opposition sometimes ensues. What was the opposition? Why, why was it happening? Well, it was a gospel issue. It was a gospel issue. This, the, 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 the attention is now taken off of our Jesus, placed onto the real Jesus, and he's having a really big problem with that. And what this comes down to is motivations. See, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. Bar Jesus is filled with greed and deception. And out of the heart, and out of a heart for Sergius Paulus, Paul calls out Bar-Jesus. Now, for some of us, this might be hard or difficult to understand because we say, well, that just seems kind of harsh. Like this whole section is a little hard when we think about our theology. This doesn't fit into my theological framework. But what we need to see is that the God of the, the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament and he's working in a way where he is both truth and justice as well as grace and forgiveness. The wholeness of God coming upon in this moment, bar Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting that you take on Paul's methods to do this, but there are times when we need to boldly stand on the truth despite the opposition we'll face. Why? Because that's what love is. It's the most loving thing. And for Bar-Jesus to go through something like this because it says it's gonna be momentary, a momentary thing, this could help be the thing that shapes also his heart too and turns him towards the real Jesus. It's what you call hitting rock bottom. 
So lastly, what's the result? Well, there's an embrace. Look at verse 12. No longer is this about Bar-Jesus. This is about the real Lord Jesus. Uh, look at verse 12. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This is super important. You know, we, we, we look at this text and we think, what is it that sticks out? And for us, we're like, wow, look at this story of, of Bar-Jesus and the opposition that happens. And look at Paul standing up. That's not what the point is. It, just like miracles in the, in the scriptures, the point is not the miracle itself. The point is giving glory to God. It's giving praise to God. And so what did this embrace look like in, in verse 12? Well, it was not an amazement at what happened to Bar-Jesus. It was an amazement about the teaching about the Lord, about the teaching of Jesus. See, what's the emphasis of our life and our message? Is it drawing people closer to the Lord and, and what he's done? Right, that's what's happening here as we read this text. And there's an embrace of the gospel. And so as we wrap up today, I wanna to give you some takeaways from today's text. The first one is this, how can we believe that God could work through us? It's by remembering that, number one, God can accomplish more inside of us than we think. God can accomplish more inside of us than we think. It was a subtle shift that happens in the text today. Did you see it? Where Saul, becomes Paul. It was a subtle shift, but, but it was something that, that, that we see as we, we, we move on throughout the rest of the New Testament, is that no longer is he known by the name of someone who persecuted the church, but, but he's living into the new identity in which Jesus has given him. See, God can accomplish more inside of us than we think. And so my encouragement to you today is this, don't give up on the process. Don't give up on the process. God can do abundantly more than you think or imagine. Yes, there are roadblocks. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are wounds from the past, but God is able to heal. And you know when it's hard to see it the most? It's when you go through dark times, isn't it? It's when I face dark times. It's when you go through challenging moments that it's hard to see that God could change us. But I want you to remember this. Corey Ten Boom, who endured great suffering in her life, gave this illustration. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Right? You hold on tightly through those dark moments and you, you know that the engineer is gonna get you through. Can you believe that there's a God who can pull you through the darkness into the light? Right? Or are we gonna stumble around blindly like Bar-Jesus and think that that's the end. The second point is this, God can accomplish more inside of others than we think. Have you ever given up on anyone before? 
Have you, have you ever stopped believing that the Holy Spirit could change that one person, maybe a family member, a friend, a coworker? I know I've struggled with it. But do you believe that God could accomplish more inside of others? It starts by remembering how much he could do inside of us and, and believing that he can do that in others. Because when we see how sinful we are, <laughs> Personally, and we see his abundance of grace, we start to pray for God's grace for others that we think there's no way that they could change. J.B. Phillips once said, every time we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we mean that we believe there is a living God able and willing to enter human personality and change it. I have to believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to change the hardest heart. So what's the hope today? That God could work through you and me. Is it, is it that we change ourselves or strong enough, have the internal courage? No. Here's what the gospel is today. The gospel is that in our futile attempts to change ourselves, that there was a God who stepped in the gap. And it's remembering how much he went through for us. John 1.14 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You want to know where the hope is that God could use someone like you or me? It's when you meditate on the fact that God came on that first missionary journey to come down, to live the perfect life, to die the death that we deserved, to raise from the dead, and give us victory over the sin that we could have never overcome. That's the truth of the gospel today, friends. And when you place your faith in Jesus, the real Jesus, not some fake Jesus, not some self-help Jesus, not some modified version that's inside your mind, Jesus, that we try to read into the scriptures and take things out and put things in. No, the real Jesus. When we see him, he'll change your life. And you'll start to live intentionally into the plans that he has for you. Will you trust him today? Will you hold on in those dark moments and see that the engineer, he's got the way, he's got the path, and that it's through him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that you're going to find healing? I hope you will. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this word today. I thank you that you take the Saul's, later Saul would say, <laughs> uh, that it's only because of you that he was saved. He tried to build a resume and it all fell short. And that 
Yes, as the chief of sinners, Lord, you made an example of him that anyone could be saved. So help us to remember that good news. Point out some of those people, those Sergius Pauluses in our life that we can share the gospel with, that we can share the good news with, that in a moment you can change their life too. Send us out, Lord. Help us to live intentionally on mission, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.